a desert planet with twin suns. His name is Boba Fett. Boba Fett? Where? I am Boba Fett. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. And welcome to our fifth Book of Boba Fett review and breakdown. This episode was so, so very good, and I'm really excited to talk to you all about it. So let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So an interesting thing about this episode is that I don't even feel like I can say the title of it without it being a spoiler. Um, So that being said, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say that this is the episode five review and breakdown, uh, and I'm going to save the title for the spoiler portion. But that being said, I'm going to start out with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler breakdown review, and then my theories about what uh, the show is going to be doing moving forward. So uh, like I said, the title itself is a bit of a spoiler, but this is not at all what I was expecting uh, for this episode. But oh my gosh, this episode made me so happy and sentimental and so pumped uh, for everything that's coming up. I got close to tearing up a couple times, but this episode was uh, simply a different caliber than the rest of the show that we've gotten so far, in my opinion. And don't get me wrong, I've loved the show so far, but but this just had a different feel to it. I feel extremely fulfilled uh, by this, uh, and I tip my hat to John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Bryce Dallas Howard for delivering such an incredible, incredible episode, and I really, really, really can't wait for more. And I don't want to spoil any of this for anybody, so if you haven't watched this, I would implore you uh, to stop right now, go ahead and watch the episode beforehand. This episode will still be here, uh, waiting for you whenever you finish. But uh, I, I would implore you to not ruin this for yourself. So that being said, the rest of this episode will have ample spoilers. So um, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler, 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 spoiler warning. Let's dive into my full spoiler breakdown. So this is my full spoiler view of The Return of the Mandalorian. Oh, oh my gosh, guys. I don't even. Oh, my gosh. First off, this is essentially episode zero of The Mandalorian season three, and while I wasn't expecting that at all, I am here for it. Um, Mando is back, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I am I'm got a little bit of emotional writing this, and I'm getting a little emotional talking about it just because I love that show so much. I love The Mandalorian, and I hadn't realized how much I missed it until this episode. We don't get to see Boba at all. It's only Mando, and that's absolutely crazy. This... It was just and it was just a Mandalorian episode through and through, and it set the scene beautifully for season three, uh, whenever that may be coming along. But it felt like a Mandalorian episode, and it feels like almost like cleaner, like it just it feels good. I don't know that for whatever reason the Mandalorian feels a lot more cinematic than the Book of Boba Fett. Not necessarily a bad way, but for whatever reason it the scale just feels bigger. It feels grander. And I think we get that from this episode. The opening, whenever his silhouette walks in front of the kind of the opaque uh, curtain and you see his silhouette, it gave me goosebumps. And then him using the Darksaber against the Klaatuinian Butchers was so cool. And it, it made me, I, I just, I don't know. Seeing Din operate in this episode made me kind of like, oh man, why can't Boba do that? Like, why can't they make Boba like that? But that being said... Mando takes no lip from anyone, and I love to see it. He just he's he's kind of back to the gunslinger that we 
we saw in the first episode of season one before he met baby Yoda. And it's so cool to see just how he operates. And I also like that he's not just an expert at using the Darksaber like right off the bat. Um, and I look forward to seeing him get more proficient as he goes. And it's interesting because he says it gets heavier, which is kind of a contradiction with, with like lightsaber mechanics in general because lightsabers are supposed to be like weightless because it's an energy blade. But this also happened with Sabine Wren in Rebels whenever she has the Darksaber. And it kind of gets lighter as the wielder open up, opens up to it and kind of connects with it. But I don't know. I'm kind of thinking through it in like a scientific way. And it's like, could it be like a black hole and like be super dense? And kind of like the force kind of helps alleviate that weight of it as as uh, it kind of bonds with its with its wielder. I'm not entirely sure, but it it it's a super, super interesting thing. And I love the Darksaber. The Darksaber is awesome. And getting to see Din like just take out all the Klaatuinian guys with it is like... Oh, so cool. So, so cool. Um, also, I called the Bo-Katan thing whenever there... Because this is another thing about this episode is we got so much lore about Mandalorians and I, I love it so much. But I called that Bo-Katan probably wasn't considered a legitimate ruler because she didn't win the Darksaber by combat. And I, I called this at the end of Mando Season 2 and I actually went back and I found... I DM'd Star Wars Theory... Um, who's a, a Star Wars YouTuber that I watch. He's, he's got great content. But I DM'd him on Instagram because I, I, I was interested in something that he had said in his epi- in his like breakdown of the episode of the finale. And this is what I had said. This is part of what I had said. I said the best that I could think of, and this was talking about why Bo-Katan couldn't just accept the, the, the Darksaber at the end of, of episode two. The best I could think of was that somehow Bo-Katan lost the Darksaber due to the fact that her win was quote-unquote illegitimate and that Gideon convinced some of the clans to turn against her and ended up deceiving uh, and ended up deceiving all of them, coming out on the other side with the Darksaber himself. And that could be why Bo-Katan only had limited associates in The Mandalorian Season 2. Not sure uh, how that would all go down, but I'm hoping that season three gives more clarifications regarding that. All that to say, uh, she, Bo-Katan, would be far more hesitant to simply take the saber without trial by combat than she was before if her previous experience uh, had been the negative one that I described. Just a thought. So if you're kind of unfamiliar with this, this is a bit of a spoiler for Star Wars Rebels. But Bo-Katan ends up being the one that has the Darksaber by the end of it. And then, obviously, in The Mandalorian, we see that Moff Gideon has it, and Bo-Katan doesn't. So, I'm guessing if I had to kind of speculate that she probably wasn't considered legitimate by a solid number of The Mandalorians. The armorer calls it, like, a curse, almost. And so, it's, it's rather interesting. I don't know. I think that we're going to get some more information about it, but um, but I, I, I just like to pat myself on the back because I called that over a year ago, so that's pretty cool. Anyways, we get to see the Armorer and Paz Vizsla again, and Paz Vizsla is, in fact, played by uh, John Favreau, uh, who is the kind of the showrunner for this and The Mandalorian. Um, and I'm so excited. I love the armor. I think she's such a cool character. 
and I got major Mando season one vibes from that whole thing whenever they're they're in the little like the underground area. I love seeing Paz Vizsla and uh, Mando butt heads again. Uh, he's the one that the really big one that was in uh, season one that kind of uh, went at it with Din and then ended up helping to save the day. Um, I think that it's interesting that we learned that the Darksaber hilt is made out of like ancient Beskar. That's pretty dope. That's pretty interesting. And then Paz Vizsla and Mando fighting was super cool and it was awesome to see Din operating kind of with his back against the wall with an opponent that's a lot bigger than him and, and kind of equally skilled in a way because they're both kind of tr trained as Mandalorians, but obviously Din is more capable and he was kind of coming at him with these quick and quick and uh, kind of like, I don't know, quick but brutal strikes with his Viber Blade. It was super, super interesting. And I think that Din being effectively exiled is an interesting lead into season three. I think that I'm, I'm really excited to see Mandalore because that's obviously the direction that they're going in, um, especially after the Great Purge, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. But, but I think that that's going to be super, super cool to see. Um, and also the sort of like bio ring thing that they're living on, that's super cool. It kind of gave me like interstellar vibes almost because that's kind of like the little uh, habit habitats that they were living in in space. But also I've heard, I don't play Halo, but but apparently it's something kind of similar to, to, to what goes on in that. Um, but then we also got some insight into the Great Purge, which we've only heard about up until this point. But the armorer recounts the events that led the Mandalorians to exile. And we get to see the destruction of Mandalore at the hands of Moff Gideon and the Empire. And we get to see the TIE Bombers, which look absolutely terrifying. And then we see the capital city of Sindari completely obliterated, which is really, really sad because if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, you've seen so much happen in that dome that is of such significance to Star Wars. And to just see it like just completely obliterated is just, oh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. Uh, we also get to see Imperial security droids, kind of like K2SO in Rogue One, uh, and probes wiping out the rest of the Mandalorians while the planet is ablaze, which is like so sinister, but also really, really cool, because we don't really get to see those Imperial droids in action all that much. Um, we get some foreshadowing for a possible Mythosaur return, Mythosaurs being the kind of the the imagery that a lot of Mandalorians use on their armor and on their, their just that little like skull-like mark that you see a lot in the Mandalorian culture um, that actually went extinct whenever the Mandalorians conquered the world of Mandalore. But um, but uh, the armorer mentioned it, so who knows? Could be kind of interesting. Uh, the Mandalorian uh, from the Covert, the Mandalorians from the Covert that Din is a member of, were on Concordia when the Great Purge happened, and that's actually Mandal Mandalore's moon where we met Death Watch in uh, the Clone Wars. It's a mining world, and I'm pretty sure that it's actually Jango Fett's homeworld as well. Um, so that's rather interesting as well. Um, also, and I know that some of y'all are going to be really excited about this with me, is that Mando is going to look for Grogu, Baby Yoda, and he's going to give him a Beskar something, and I can't wait for that. I love Baby Yoda so much. Grogu, I don't care what you call him. I don't care what I call him. But I miss that little guy so much, and I really can't wait to see him again and what Din and the armor have made for him. I have a theory about that, and I'm going to talk about the Envisions a little bit later. Um, we get to see Pelimoto again. Uh, she's the woman on Tatooine with the frizzy hair. 
Uh, she has a BD unit, like the one that Cal Kestis has in Jedi Fallen Order. And while I haven't played that game, I thought that that was a really, really cool add-in. And then, oh boy, we get to see an N1 Nubian Starfighter. What the absolute heck. I've heard a rumor that Din was going to get one as a replacement for the Razor Crest. And when I heard that, I was like, eh, like that's kind of, mm, not sure about that one. But... Oh my gosh, that ship is like the coolest thing ever. And I love that he made it like very distinctly his own while still being uh, very recognizable as the original ship. It was so, so cool. And and like I thought that it was like, uh, like I, well, first of all, I didn't think that it was correct. It's like, why would he get a Nubian Starfighter? That makes no sense whatsoever. And for those of you who don't know, these are the yellow ships and the Phantom Menace uh, that are from the Naboo, the, like it's what the Naboo citizens or the Naboo military utilize uh to kind of uh combat the trade federation and so i i also got major pod racing vibes when he flew it around tatooine he went to beggars canyon it was like basically the same track that we see the pod racers use in the phantom menace and um oh my gosh oh my gosh like i was smiling so big this entire episode like i don't even know how to describe it it was so so good and Pelimoto dated a Jawa? <laughs> like, what? And they're furry? I don't know about that one. That was kind of funny and cool, but like, what? Anyways, I don't know. Um, we also got to see Carson Teva again, Teva. He's the Asian guy with the white beard who's the pilot of the uh, the X-Wing, one of the X-Wings. And he's, he's from, he's a, uh, an officer of the New Republic, and we see him in Mando Season 2. And I love that he's kind of a through line. He's kind of like, uh, almost like a Commissioner Gordon to uh, Din Djarin's Batman, where it's like kind of like uh, he's kind of like kind of turns a blind eye to the fact that he's doing some uh, minorly illegal stuff, but it's it's kind of helping out, and it's also just going to be too much paperwork if he if he has to turn him in and deal with it. Um, I also think it's very interesting that at the very end, Mando's not in right away. He's going to see Grogu before coming to help Boba, and. I don't know. I'm thinking that maybe he ends up coming in kind of last minute to like save the day, kind of like Thor in Infinity War. You know, when it's like like the, the heroes' backs are against the wall. They're being overrun by the Outriders. And then you see the Bifrost come down. And then you see the the axe, a Stormbreaker, come through the Bifrost and take things out. And then like right when, like right at the very end at the crescendo of the Avengers theme was then it's Thor standing there. I think that's going to be something similar with Mando. Like maybe like they're all getting overrun. They're spread very thin, backs against the wall, and then you just hear like the <laughs> I can't make the like the little like the distorted recorder sound. That's almost like a western type thing, and then you just turn around and you see freaking Mando with the dark saber, and maybe Luke Skywalker there too. Who knows? But it's going to be awesome, and I'm super, super excited. I don't know if y'all can hear in my voice, but I'm smiling real big, and I feel like a little kid because this show is freaking dope. Um, as for my review, I'm minimally disappointed that Boba wasn't in this episode solely because it's his show, but that being said, this episode felt like an absolute love letter to prequels fans, which I'm here for because I myself am a prequel fan. There were so many callbacks to stuff like The Clone Wars, and it gave me... Very distinct Phantom Menace vibes in a lot of what it did, um, just between the Naboo Starfighter, the pod racing stuff, um, just everything awesome, 
really, really cool. The action was incredible. Getting to be with uh, Mando made me all sorts of sentimental and really, really excited for Mando season three. And I really think that this is going to be like an episode zero for it. This is setting the stage. This is getting people to watch this. This is going to rope in the Mando fans. And it's it's a really cool through line that they're building like this cool extended universe of shows around the Mandalorian franchise. And it really just makes it feel like a very connected story because I feel like this is a thing in Star Wars where you can kind of split it up into very distinct eras where it's like the prequel era, the original trilogy era, and the sequel era. And they all kind of have their very distinct feels. And these shows are such an amazing like like I've, I'm saying the word through line too much, but it's they're an amazing through line where it kind of provides a lot of connective tissue for the, for the franchise as a whole, where it doesn't feel like a prequel era thing or an original trilogy era thing. It just feels like Star Wars. And I love that about these shows. I think that they're doing such a fantastic job. And I think that the people that are working on them really care and really understand the task that they've been given and really understand what they're doing. And uh, man... Man, 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 I am so pleased with this episode. So, so very pleased with this episode. And that being said, let's move on into a little bit of visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. All right, geez, where to begin? Um, I think most of my original theories remain the same. I still think that we're getting like Bosk and Dengar and Cad Bane. Um, and Embo, and I think that we're getting we're going to get to see all of those kinds of characters moving forward. But I also most of this stuff is going to be centered around Mando, since that's pretty much the only information that we've gotten from this episode so far. So I do think that we uh, may spend the next episode with Mando again and get to see maybe Luke and Grogu. Um, I think that that's a super exciting thing. I think that Luke might train Mando with the Darksaber, which could be really cool. And I think that we might spend the first like half of the episode doing something like that. As for whatever the armorer um, made for Grogu, I'm thinking that it's either a lightsaber hilt to be like just completed with a kyber crystal or maybe a small suit of like chainmail armor because we got to see the chains or the chain links uh, being made. So, so I'm not entirely sure what that is, but, but it's, it's pretty intriguing. And hopefully we get more Boba content like halfway through the next episode and he'll already have like maybe established a team of hunters or maybe this is another possibility that I think is that it's going to be kind of like two different storylines going on in the same episode where we might start like we, we kind of jump back and forth between Mando going to see Grogu and then Boba establishing his team and kind of getting ready for to go to battle with the Pikes. And by the end of it, maybe, maybe even Luke comes to show up and help Boba. I think that that would be a super interesting interaction. I think that we could potentially see like a whole original trilogy main cast reun reunited. Obviously, it's not necessarily going to be like the actual cast, especially since Carrie Fisher has unfortunately passed. Um... But I still think that we could potentially see like young Luke, young Han, young Leia all together doing something. I think that would be stinking dope. Um, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to get my expectations up too high because I think that it's going to be really awesome either way. But I'm just saying some stuff that I think could happen. Still think that Honda might come in. Um, 
I don't know. I think that there might be someone bigger behind the Pikes. Been seeing a lot of stuff about Crimson Dawn potentially being potentially being behind it, and that maybe Kira from the Solo movies might be showing up. think that that could be a possibility, but I'm not entirely sure. I feel like the Pikes might be operating on their own. But after the events of Solo, Crimson, got, Crimson Dawn could have maybe assimilated the Pikes back into it because Maul did it once. He could have done it again. So I'm not entirely sure, but I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited, guys. I don't think I've been this excited about something in a while, and I've been talking for way too long for one of these. This is about five minutes longer than I normally go, but I just got a lot to say. But that, that, that that's about all that I have for this episode. Uh, make sure you stay tuned this Friday for my January edition of The Ability to Speak Does Not Make You Intelligent. I have my brother Jeb on again. He's going to actually go for the rank of master. So for the, his rank of master quiz is actually for the rank of master this time. So stay tuned for that. And then we also have... One of my old co-workers and a good friend of mine, Zach Brzezinski, um, he's going to be on and we're going to be talking about our thoughts on the other Star Wars shows that are coming out in 2022. And then we're going to play some games and do the Rank of Masters. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, and yeah, make sure that you follow me on Instagram. We're still doing our 31-day Star Wars challenge. And today, today is the 26th. And we're going to be talking about the cutest creature in Star Wars. So make sure that you tune in for that. That being said, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the Force be with you, and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.